You are listening to the Testudo Times Podcast Network. Welcome into another episode of Testudo Times Podcast on the Testudo Times Podcast Network. I'm Sam Austria alongside Dylan Spilko and Lauren Roche. We have a lot to get to today. Um, there's been two Maryland men's basketball games since uh, our last podcast. Two wins, in fact, they're on a two-game win streak. They beat Nebraska on the road last Friday night, and then they also came away with a home win against Penn State this past Monday. And tonight, in just a few hours, they will be playing Indiana on the road. So let's first start talking about um, the win over Nebraska last Friday night, a 90-74 win. Maryland's third road win this season um, in the Big Ten. It's fourth conference win overall at that point in time. Maryland scored 42 points in the first half and then exploded in the second half, shot nearly 60% from the field. Maryland had complete control from start to finish. They were a better team, more talented team, and they proved that. Again, you know, in a not a easy place to play at Nebraska, you know, it was even on a Friday night at 9 p.m. start time against two, two teams that have really struggled all year, that Nebraska crowd was loud. Um, what were our takeaways from from that Nebraska win? You know, I was really surprised because I never thought that Maryland was going to be out of this game at any point. But the thing that really surprised me was how lively that Nebraska crowd was. I thought it was – I mean, you said it. It seemed like not an easy place to play considering that Nebraska – I think they were 1-13 when Maryland came in there to play. So mm-hmm. it was – yeah, so it was interesting to see just how rowdy that crowd was because you have a program that's been – down in the dumps for a little while now, and they still not get working their way out, even though they have five star, former five-star Bryce McGowan's. You know, the crowd was really impressive to me, and it's just they have a good foundation, it seems, for a future like fan base when they start to improve. You know, it's hard to get much worse than 115 in the Big Ten right now, but that's what surprised me from that point of view, just looking at that game. But from Maryland's perspective, you know, the first half, Maryland scores 42 points but they also give up 40. So the, the first half wasn't really what stood out to me. It was that second half when the Terps outscored the Cornhuskers 48-34 to 34 and shot 60% from the field, and they were really able to, to kind of shut the door on the Cornhuskers. And obviously playing a team like Nebraska, Maryland came into the season as a pre, uh, preseason AP Top 25 team. Nebraska was probably projected to lose the Big Ten again. But these teams found themselves somewhat near each other in the standings right now. And Maryland got the job done in the second half. And I think there's just not much more to look at it than that, just because of how bad Nebraska has been this year compared to the rest of the Big Ten. So I think just that second half, um, not explosion, but just getting the job done over the last 20 minutes was just the important part for Maryland. and, And they got the job done. Yeah, I think for me, a big takeaway was that. We talked about last week, Maryland having a pretty easy time winning that game if they played up to the level that they were kind of playing at Purdue. And, you know, it seems like Maryland has had a really big defensive shift after that Iowa game. Allowing all those points must have not sat well with them because they really um, seem to have changed things up since then and been playing with a lot tougher defense and kind of seeing the results. And we saw that carry over into Penn State as well, which we'll get to later. But you know, to come off that Purdue game and, you know, not pick up the win, but fight really hard and come really close. And then to go to Nebraska and like, just get done what they were supposed to get done. Really, I think 
stands out because of course they would have liked to have left West Lafayette with a win. That would have been a huge upset for this team. And, you know, they always talk about how there are no moral victories and all that, but I think that really propelled them to do as well as they did against Nebraska. And really just, there was lots of different players who were really interesting to me during this game who really stood out to me. Fats Russell had another performance that was really fun and exciting to watch and really has kind of emerged into the player that everyone knew he could be here and is really using everything around him to be that way. E. Martinez had a strong game, which has been another trend that we've seen as of late. So like seeing these players kind of live up to potentials, especially those two coming in from the transfer portal. And um, I think Julian Reese also had a pretty strong game. So seeing three new players to Maryland come in and kind of perform how people were hoping they would and probably how they were hoping to as well, even if Maryland is playing for not kind of the same reasons as they were playing for at the beginning of the season, whether that be different goals or mindsets right now. Um, it seems pretty clear that this team thinks anything can happen between now and the end of the Big Ten tournament. And if they're looking to kind of stir the pot a little bit and the best way to start isn't in Indianapolis, but rather now, and they kind of kick that off with really Purdue, in my opinion, but definitely Nebraska. Yeah, that's a good point because it, you know, they played phenomenally against Purdue um, and that, that kind of like started their, their big run and maybe bouncing back a little bit after they come off, came off a uh, horrible Iowa loss where they looked deflated and they looked like they were giving up on the season. They've really battled since then. Let's talk about the backcourt, uh, Merlin's backcourt, because Eric Ayala didn't play against Purdue, but then he came back and played. He's played very limited minutes in the last two games against Nebraska. Um, yeah, against Nebraska, he really struggled. Um, and I, you could see there was something probably wrong with his wrist there. Um, you know, he he only scored, he played less than 20 minutes. He only scored two points, didn't even attempt a bunch of shots. But his backward partner, the point guard Fats Russell, he he went off. He had 23 points. It was the third straight game of 20-plus points. And he's been phenomenal for Maryland. You know, how did maybe Ayala being limited, but his presence still being there, how did that help open up Fats Russell's game? And, and just what have you seen from him recently? Because he's been phenomenal, the best player on the team, and the go-to option offensively. So Ayala has been contributing in other ways than scoring, which I think has been a, a really a, a big a big thing for Maryland, especially over these last two wins. But if you look specifically at the Nebraska game, coming off that one-point Purdue loss where Ayala was ruled out just basically before the game, I don't think anybody was ready for him to uh, – I don't think anybody knew about that wrist injury just before that game. But so then he came back in this Nebraska game, after Maryland fought hard in that one, he only put up two points over three shooting, but he came with five rebounds, uh, four of them defensive and four assists as well, and also no turnovers. So Ayala, you know, the shooting wasn't there over three from the field against Nebraska, but he was just affecting the game in other ways. And he ended up playing 24 minutes. He played 24 minutes and he only had two free throws. And you think that that's not a great game for Ayala. And obviously that's not anywhere near where Maryland needs him to be if they do want to compete in games, obviously. But the way that Fats Russell was able to open up the floor with a limited Ayala was just, it was almost eye-opening. It was almost like, is this really could have what Fats Russell could have done all season if Ayala didn't have uh, as big of a role? And obviously I think Maryland would rather have Ayala uh, contributing to his, his normal output, but Fats Russell finishing with, 23 points, five rebounds, two assists, three steals. He was a big factor on the defensive ends. And the three-point shooting, one for eight, is not going to cut it. But he went six for eight at the line. And as we saw in the Penn State game, which we'll get to, he closed the game out with free throws. He's a very clutch player. And I think that he's starting to realize that his college career is winding down. He's starting to understand that 
it's basically now or never for his entire career. So I think that he is starting to go back into that more Rhode Island role before he transferred to Maryland, that more heavily scoring role, the big shooting role. And it's starting to, you know, the efficiency isn't 100% there, but it's resulted in two wins for Maryland. So can't complain if you're interim head coach Danny Manning. Yeah, and we touched upon this a little bit last week, um, that when kind of the connection that Eric Ayala and Fats Russell have really stretches beyond this season and they have a deep history of playing together and being friends. And I think one of the things that really stands out about them is the respect that they have for one another and kind of just this mutual um, kind of want to help each other on the court. And you touched upon it, Dylan, maybe Eric didn't have his best game of the season in terms of scoring, you know, only producing two points, but Russell said something along the lines after the game of, you know, how Eric Ayala kind of did all the little things and they needed them. Like it was so needed and so seen. And I think that that really just speaks to kind of the two of theirs understanding of kind of the potential that each of them have and what they can do. And they complement each other well, even if maybe one of them can't necessarily play up in a certain way to how high they can play up. And I do think that with Ayala being slightly limited, um, in terms of maybe being a little in that matchup a little bit more, whatever the case may be, whether he was injured or uh, whether it was because of the injury or because he hadn't played in a game in a little, that he wasn't shooting as well as he has in the past. Uh, it really just opened the door for Fats Russell to kind of be that star. And the star that we've seen flashes of all season, but it's definitely been more consistent recently and has really kind of established that. And it's not, it's not saying that if Ayala wasn't necessarily – playing his absolute best in terms of scoring that night that Fats couldn't have a, couldn't have had a similar kind of night. But it seems like Fats Russell really understood the contributions that Eric Ayala was making against Nebraska and really spoke to that after the game and understands that a lot of the success that he had in that game came in part from what Ayala was kind of contributing maybe off the ball or not while shooting. Yeah, you know, it's going to be interesting to see what, how they move forward together. Um, especially if Ayala is how limited he's going to be. You know, Danny Manning said he hopes that he's back to playing his regular load of minutes. We don't know because these last two games he's played under 20 minutes because of that lingering wrist injury. But, you know, Fats Russell has just been phenomenal. There's not like he he's had heart all season, even when other players maybe it looks like they – They've been given up on the season. Fats Russell's had heart every step of the way. And maybe, you know, you kind of feel bad for him because this is certainly not the situation he expected to go to when he decided he was going to transfer to Maryland. Obviously, things have not played out the way that he hoped or anyone hoped for him. But he hasn't given up one bit. He plays 100%, so much energy every single night. He's just been doing everything he possibly can to make the most of the limited time he has left playing college basketball. And so it's just been, it's been great to watch. We had some brief technical difficulties, so we apologize for the um, quick delay there. But we're going to get back to right where we left off, left off talking about Julian Reese and his performance against Nebraska and that win over Nebraska. Julian Reese had a career-high 13 points. 11 of those came in the first half. Um, you know, he had some foul trouble. He had a little boneheaded play when he uh, pushed um, the Nebraska guard, you know, got a little upset at a foul call. But, you know, he played very well, and Nebraska didn't really have a big to stop them. They're one of the few big, t big 10 teams that doesn't have a presence inside. So and Julian Reese took advantage of that and he had probably his best game, definitely scoring wise against the big 10 opponent this season. what did you see from Julian Reese? And did it encourage you as, as we move forward through the end of the season? And yeah, season? yeah, yeah, definitely encouraging from Reese's standpoint. I, he scored all 13 points in the first half. So 
he already hit that career high in the first half alone. He went four for six, five for five from the free throw line as well. He had a pre- he had a pretty solid game all around. He only played in 17 minutes, and everybody needs to keep in mind that he's still such a young player and he's still developing. But the fact that we're seeing him starting to take more, I don't want to say difficult shots, but shots that are just, you know, that are not only stemming from the paint. He's taking more jump shots. He's definitely taking more threes as the season has gone along, despite that, you know, he's not really letting it fly from deep that much. But the fact that he's able to take those shots as a freshman and that he has the confidence to take some of these uh, jumpers with that, that are contested and, you know, it's it's encouraging to see that he's such a young guy and that he's still coming to his own as a basketball player. And what better mentor can you have than uh, Danny Manning, who's obviously the interim head coach of this team? But Reese, I mean, as long as he keeps adding those kinds of shots and different kinds of weaponry into his offensive arsenal, I think he's going to continue to become a, a really strong power forward and in, in, in five spot. And I think that Maryland's is going to only continue to benefit if, if his confidence is going, you know, towards the sky. Yeah, I don't disagree with that at all. I think him having 13 points in that first half and or pretty early in that first half too, I believe, and also getting into foul trouble kind of just really showcases his potential, just really shows how high that ceiling is for him to be able to put up a performance like that, put up a career high number like that but also be relatively limited in playing time just shows how much he has to learn and how much he has room he has to grow, which is really promising for this Maryland team. Maybe easy to kind of look at it and say, oh, Julian got into foul trouble. There's a lot of um, a lot to tighten up, and that's kind of a negative thing. But realistically, when you look at the future of him and him as a player and, um, you know, the team that is, there really is just such a high ceiling for Julian, and he's been showcasing that in flashes. But Nebraska was a really – prime example of him just playing kind of looking like a freshman, but also looking like a, the player that he is and the talent that he has. Yeah. And, you know, it wasn't just Julian Reese. There's a lot of names that we talk about sometimes. Um, and, you know, obviously we're usually talking about the starters. We're talking about Eric Ayala. We're usually talking about Fats Russell and these guys, but Ian Martinez has been phenomenal recently. He completely fell out of the lineup, was out of the rotation because he was struggling to play. And then, and then, you know, he just, he's been phenomenal in, in these recent games, um, including against Nebraska. He got some more minutes because Eric Ayala was limited. And then against Penn State, he was great too. So what have you seen from Ian Martinez recently? I think it's the same thing with, with Julian Reese. It's a, just a ton of confidence. And Ian Martinez, ever since he had that head injury against Northwestern, I think that his confidence kind of went down from that injury. But he's really started to pick it up in these last few games. And he had that huge windmill dunk against Nebraska. And I did not personally think that he was capable of such an emphatic dunk. I know that we've seen him try some of these, some of these dunks throughout the season, but that was quite the performance from him. I was really shocked he was able to throw that one down with, with authority as well. But I think that just comes to show that his confidence is starting to get a little better. He's still a young player. I think people are still forgetting that – same thing with Julian Reese. I think everybody knows that he's a freshman, but sometimes you just have to put into context that they're not like fully developed basketball players yet. And Ian Martinez is still growing as a guard. He's just a sophomore and keep in mind, he, he transferred. So, I mean, a lot's going, a lot probably went on for him this season as, as has the entire team, but Ian Martinez was starting to finally see that player that 
Mark Turgeon recruited to come over to Maryland, and he finished with 10 points against Nebraska. Didn't have quite the same performance against Penn State in what was a, a much more low-scoring game, but Martinez was the sixth Terp in that game to score in double figures, and that I, I fact-checked it. That was the only game in which the Terps have had six players score at least 10 points in a single game. So when Ian Martinez is adding 10 points off the bench, that's what Maryland envisioned at the start of the year. So it's, it's interesting to see how he's finally coming into his own as the, the sixth and seventh man. And I think for me, what's standing out the most about Ian Martinez is his defense that he's been playing. I remember earlier in the season, he was available after one of the games very early on. It could have even been the first game of the season. And he was talking about what he wanted to work on was defense because he felt in order to kind of get himself to that next level, defense is what he was going to have to tighten up. And these last two performances defensively have been really strong to have two back-to-back games with four steals is a very solid performance out of the sophomore. And I think um, offensively, he made a really solid contribution against Nebraska. He um, shot lower scoring in Penn State, but shot well in that game also. I don't think he missed a shot there. And so I think, you know, he's had a tough kind of go at Maryland, just like everyone else and just like we touched upon Dylan. But he also, you know, he went down in that first Northwestern game. Things maybe were a little bit, whatever he was dealing with after that, but it seems like he's really come into his own and has built that confidence. And when anybody, it's a common theme with all these players, but when you ask any of the players about how they feel about somebody having a strong performance. So when you ask any of these players about E. Martinez having a strong performance, for example, everyone is just excited because they knew that this was his potential. Like, I don't remember who said it. It may have been Fats Russell, but was talking about how like, this is the Ian that he kind of sees every day every day at practice goes up against whatever the case may be. So to watch him really be able to perform the way he's been performing, it seems like his teammates are really lifting him up and kind of encouraging him and giving him that confidence that he really needs as a younger player. But his performance defensively is really what stood out to me. Yeah, that's the biggest thing for me is, you said it, Lauren, his confidence. I mean, he's, his confidence has been um, remarkably better than we've seen at some points during the season. You know, earlier in the season, he um he was struggling he was struggling a little bit you know wasn't knocking down shots but then he kind of like lost it felt like he lost his confidence and then that's when he fell out of the rotation you know his confidence since he's been back and playing more minutes has been remarkably better he's making shots making plays I think that you know when he's locked in defensively it translates to his offense and that's been helping his confidence so that's been the biggest thing for me is just his confidence has completely shifted and it's been helping him play and he's also not forcing as much you know earlier in the season when he was playing he sometimes force some bad threes. He would take, he would do do moves and then try to, you wouldn't really be able to break shoulders with anyone, wouldn't get to a spot and would like shoot some fadeaway that would rarely convert. You know, we're not really seeing that from him anymore. He's kind of just playing, um, you know, he's playing, he's not playing, doing too much. He's playing through other players and other players are making plays for him, which are allowing him to be more of an effective scorer. So we'll see if that, if he continues to, he's obviously going to be back in the rotation moving forward. You know, we'll see if he continues um, to make an impact on this team. You know, now let's shift to the Penn State game, which was this past Monday night. Um, Maryland had control for most of the game. You know, it was tied at halftime. Maryland kind of breaks free in the second half and they could get a six point victory on Monday night. Um, you know, it was kind of a similar game to Nebraska that felt like Maryland had control. The only difference was that Fats Russell, for me, exploded in the second half. He had 18 points, zero points in the first half, and he is the engine 
he's become the engine of this Maryland offense. It's not really Eric Ayala anymore since he's been injured. It's fast, Fats Russell, who's been playing phenomenal, like we talked about earlier. So that's really was the turning point for me. You know, if he's clicking, this Maryland team can be clicking. And that's what we saw in the second half that allowed Maryland to break free. So, so what do you see from Fats Russell in that second half? But then also just what were your overall takeaways um, against this Penn State team that is ahead of Maryland in the Big Ten, Big Ten standings, but we always thought that Maryland was a more talented team. Look, I mean, this by no means was an easy win for Maryland. Uh, Penn State, one of the better defensive teams in the Big Ten. Maryland had a, a rocky history in college basketball against Penn State. It's pretty much back and forth recently throughout the years. And if you just look at Fats Russell's second half performance, all you see is just the leadership that he brings to this team. I think that you can throw away the four of 13 shooting because, I mean, both offenses weren't really working well. You don't want him to go four for 13, obviously, if you're Danny Manning. But at the same time, he closed the game out and he ended up hitting nine of 11 free throws. He shot like 11, eight free throws in the final minute or something. Not many players in the nation can say that they are the go-to guy on every single inbound in the final minute of the game to help close out a game. And I think typically, and you know, that could also be Eric Ayala. Eric Ayala is a good free throw shooter. He's, I think he struggled free throw shooting this year. He's typically good. But Fats Russell going nine for 11 overall from the line, ending with 18 points. I think he, I mean, he obviously carried this team to a win in the end, but Maryland only with three players in double figures in this game. It was Ayala, Dante Scott, and, and Fats Russell. So I think Fats Russell, what he was able to do just on the floor against Penn State, he, he led Maryland to a win in the second half along with Eric Ayala, and their leadership really shined through in that half. Yeah, I'd say along the same lines of very – similar thoughts in the sense that um, Fats Russell has been a leader with kind of that veteran experience as they call it for the last um, the entire season and that was talked about before the season even started but I think specifically in a game like Penn State you really see that shine through maybe he didn't have the strongest performance in the first half but to be able to make that adjustment and kind of come out and realize that like this is a game that I feel Maryland could have quite easily folded a little bit and gotten into a pattern similar to how they have in some other games where it seems very winnable while they're playing it, whether it's winnable or not before they start doesn't really matter for this Maryland team. It seems because once they get there, um, they've had a lot of very close games and this Penn state game was one that easily could have Maryland could have slipped a little bit, just given the history between these two teams and, you know, um, a series between the two of them. But I think that, Fats Russell's leadership by leading, it's clear that he's a vocal leader, but he also very much leads by example, being able to just shake off that first half and kind of come out and have the performance that he had. And then also just Eric Ayala, kind of somebody who maybe after that Nebraska game, you thought, oh, this is his new role. Maybe he's not going to be shooting the ball as much just based on whatever's going on with this lingering wrist injury, but then to come out and kind of for him also to pivot from game to game and have this kind of performance. So I think the two of them have shown a lot of leadership recently. All the players on the team seem to have like this fight in them and this drive in them. And Dante Scott has talked about that a lot this season also. And he definitely has been a very strong leader for this Maryland team. And um, he was one of the players who was available after Penn State. And he just continuously talks about the fight and what all these players have been saying, especially um, Eric Fats and Dante in this most recent stretch, is that 
they're just going to continue to use this and hope for a little bit of momentum here at the end of the season because quite honestly it seems like for them whatever they've gone through this season it wasn't what they expected period no matter at what angle you're looking at it and so for them to have this you know little stretch here in february where they pick up back-to-back wins and um, have the chance to maybe upset some teams here late and then go into um, Indianapolis. Having players like Bats Russell, Eric Ayala, Dante Scott, no matter what kind of nights they're having scoring-wise, scoring wise, they continue to kind of exhibit this leadership. And it was happened to be exemplified in scoring against Penn State and kind of the pivot, but it's very clear that Bats Russell has really just emerged as a as a really strong player at Maryland. He was always strong at um, URI. He had a little bit of a bumpy patch, but for him to come in, I feel like this last stretch of games, he's really solidified the impact that he's had on this Maryland team. Yeah, just looking at that Penn State win from a big picture perspective, I mean, you know, they're not really playing for much at this point, maybe a little bit of seeding as the Big Ten tournament shapes, shapes up, but they're really not playing for anything meaningful. They haven't been for weeks now. And so, like, when you look at these two wins, there are two wins over teams that they're better than, that they should beat, that they're more talented than. But it's really just you want to be playing the best basketball you can possibly be playing this time of year to maybe make a little run in the Big Ten tournament and maybe upset a team, you know, who knows what that can look like. And that's that's what it seems like they're doing. And that's certainly what Fat Russell's doing. He's playing his best basketball of the year late in the season when it's most important. So, so yeah, so Maryland's on a two-game win streak. They have their uh, another game tonight against Indiana. This will be on the road. Um, and then we'll we'll look ahead to their, their – there's only four four games remaining, Indiana, Ohio State, Minnesota – and then Michigan State, and then the Big Ten tournament kicks off. But let's get to tonight's game against Indiana. On the road, you know, Indiana has really, really struggled since they beat Maryland back on January 29th. That's their last win. They, Indiana has not won a single game in the month of February. They're on a five-game losing streak. They've had a ton of um, internal t- turmoil. You know, but what their players, some of their players were suspended. Mike Woodson, Mike Woodson, the head coach, called them out in the postgame. For we don't really know the disciplinary reasons, but there were some things that they did off the court that he was not happy with. Um, so Indiana's really struggling, but they were a tournament team last time Maryland played them and they beat Maryland. This was in College Park. Indiana was very much considered a tournament team. Now they might be on the outside of the bubble looking in, but they're still right on that bubble and they're in desperation mode. They need this win tonight to end this losing streak. So like, do you think Maryland has a shot tonight? What do you, what do you expect to see? Yeah, I actually, I actually think do Maryland has a chance. I think they're just catching a team, based at the perfect time. Indiana has lost five straight games. If they beat Maryland tonight, that would mean that both their wins against Maryland are sandwiched in between this giant five-game losing streak that they've been on. But to, let's be fair to Indiana; they have played their their fair share of solid teams. Uh, four of those five losses came to ranked teams. Illinois, Michigan State, Wisconsin, Ohio State. The only bad loss, I would say, was against Northwestern on the road, in which they lost by nine. But nevertheless, they're a team that's on a five-game losing streak. They can't be feeling too good for Mike Woodson's squad. There's been a lot of uh, controversy over there. I I did see some of those reports, some uh, disciplinary actions against his players Mike Woodson put down. So Indiana's clearly in some, like, shambles. And for the first time, like, basically since – Late January, Maryland is not. So I think Maryland's going to catch Indiana at the perfect time, if you think about it. And what was surprising to me was that spread. That's such a a big spread for, I think, how both of these teams are coming into this game, six and a half. Uh, 
I, I think I like Maryland to cover that spread just because of uh, how Maryland has kept it close with their opponents recently, If just considering that Purdue loss and then the next two wins. So I think Maryland's going to catch Indiana at a good time. Yeah, I think Maryland absolutely has a chance to win this game. And I, I think that um, part of it definitely has to do with the momentum that each of these programs is experiencing right now. Indiana has seemingly has a lot to lose where Maryland doesn't really. And they exactly what you said, Dylan, Maryland's catching fire at the right time. But I also think when you look at before the Iowa game, Maryland was doing very well in rematches with programs and was figuring things out that second time around. And, you know, I kind of have to think that maybe this second time around, they figured things out about Indiana that they weren't able to get done the first time. And that game, the first go around, definitely, I think, has Maryland um, um, wasn't able to kind of get their momentum going. And the second time around, I just, I have a different feeling about it. I think that um, watching the way that Maryland has really kind of been cohesive and you really the one matchup that I keep thinking about is how they played against Purdue I really just feel like they played a really solid game against Purdue that maybe I wasn't so much expecting them to play and because of that I have this kind of um, thought that maybe there is a chance that they can kind of go and it's going to be a tough task but I do think that there's a chance for them to do that yeah I'm going to look at it from the, a different perspective and when people are saying like Maryland's rolling they're getting they're, you know, they're playing the best basketball right now. I think they're playing well, but I also, I don't think you can necessarily say that just yet because they're, they're, they just played Nebraska and Penn State. Those are teams that they should have beat. They're teams that they're certainly more talented than and would have been very disappointing if they lost to. Um, Indiana's a better team than them. You know, Penn State and, and Nebraska also don't have bigs. Maryland has really struggled against good big men this year. So that's another thing that Indiana might Pose a little bit of a problem, and I think you're. I don't. I don't really know. It's hard to know what direction Indiana is going to go in right now. They could completely fall apart, have no shot at the at the NCAA tournament, and just the, the rest of their season completely go on a go on a spiral. But I also think they could be playing so desperate. They this is an absolute must win game that they and against the team that they're better than. They're, they have more talent than Indiana is more talented than Maryland. They're at home. You know, it's one of the toughest places to play in Assembly Hall in all of the Big Ten. So I, I think that Indiana is going to come out with incredible fire and be more be the more desperate team, even though they have some they have more to lose than Maryland because Maryland has nothing to lose. I think Indiana is going to play desperate tonight, and that makes me just think that Indiana is 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 the favorite for a reason and is going to come away with the win. We'll get to score predictions in a minute, but first, you know, Trace Jackson Davis, Indiana's best player, obviously, he's one of the best players in the Big Ten really the entire country. He, he, he had a good game against Maryland the first time, but he only had 17 points. Um, you know, do you think Maryland's going to be able to contain him this time around? What, what looks are they going to throw at him? And how's that going to go? I think that they need to focus on getting him in foul trouble early and often because that seems to be the only way that Maryland can survive these opposing star players and opposing bigs that have continually outbested them this season. I think that every time – it seems that every time I, I have an Indiana game on, I see Trace Jackson Davis on the bench with two fouls in the first half. I think that's a very common thing that he goes through, and I think that that's, to take him off the floor would give Maryland its best advantage. So when he's on the floor, he's really hard to guard, especially if you're Maryland. It's going to take a lot of help defense. It's just like guarding another classic star big in the Big Ten. It's not easy to do. And the only way to defend him – is to take him out of the game. 
and to take him out of the game, they're going to need to drive into the paint early. They're going to need to attack that the heart of Indiana's defense, which is definitely not an easy task. And they're going to have to try to get Trace Jackson Davis in foul trouble or else Maryland's going to be in trouble. Yeah, I also think that um, kind of on that note, but on the opposite spectrum is Maryland needs to watch the fouling. Um, they did a much better job at it against Penn State, but against Nebraska, they um, were they were called for fouls many times. And I think that um, if that's the case and, you know, some of Maryland's big men are fouling earlier in foul, tra- foul trouble early, it's going to be a lot harder to kind of match up with um, Trace Jackson Davis and also Thompson. So there's definitely – Indiana has its fair share of options there. I think that he hasn't had um, – Chase Jackson Davis hasn't had – he had, I think, one big game against Wisconsin since playing Maryland. But other than that, hasn't really been, like, scoring over 20 points or whatever the case may be. So I think Maryland does have the chance to hold him. But looking at it from that other side, like what you were mentioning, Sam, he's kind of due for – he had that big performance against Wisconsin. They fall to Wisconsin. So – I think he's going to be coming out, wanting to kind of exploit um, that area for Maryland. So it'll be interesting. Yeah, and the other thing is Eric Ayala. You know, he obviously, the last two games since coming back, he hasn't played more than 20 minutes in either of those two games. Last game, he found his rhythm. You know, he's playing well. Um, he went, he had 13 points. He hit knocked down three threes on, on six attempts. So he, he was playing well and starting to find his rhythm a little bit. Do we expect him to be in a starting lineup where he hasn't been? Do we expect him to get his regular load back? Or are we still going to see him on this on this minute restriction? I think we're probably going to see him on some kind of minute restriction. I think it would be too ambitious to say that he's going to be back in the starting lineup after not being in it for the last three games. Uh, I, th- I we don't really get much from Danny Manning in the in the pregame about his status. It's more of just like a, he'll be a decision. We'll wait and see. Lingering issue, you know, the same usual head coach verbatim. But I think that – I think it would be unwise to assume that Ayala is starting. I'm going to say that he's probably going to come off the bench today and deliver 20 to 25 minutes. Yeah, I think he'll also be limited again. I don't think that he'll start. What I do wonder is, is who I, – I think that Xavier Green will start in his place, but it's interest just because he has been, and they seem to have found a rhythm with Ian coming off the bench. But it's interesting to think about. I wonder if this is a – they, there's not so much time left, but going forward with the way that E. Martinez has been playing defense, if maybe he can find a little bit more consistency, if he could somehow wiggle his way into that spot. But I do think that Xavier Green will probably um, stay in that spot for right now, and Ian will come off the bench, and I think Eric will also come off the bench. I still think it's bothering um, Eric a little bit, that injury. So I, I expect to see his minutes. Maybe, maybe like he'll play 20 to 25, but you know, he was playing 30. To 35, sometimes 35 plus minutes before the injury. So I don't think we're going to see that load really the rest of the season, to be honest with you. Um, but maybe he'll play a few more minutes tonight. And, you know, he fa- he was finding his rhythm off the bench last game. So if that's something they can work in, he can work into the offense coming off the bench. And if Fats is playing as well as he is and kind of just play off Fats, you know, it, it, that can work for them. And I think Xavier Green will get the start again because, you know, it's, it's, they're playing – they hadn't played the greatest teams these last two games in Nebraska and Penn State, but it was working. So why – why switch it up? And Ian Martinez seems more comfortable, like he's found his confidence off the bench. There's no reason to insert him into the starting lineup, so I don't expect that to change at all. All right, so now it's time for our favorite thing to do every single podcast episode, the score predictions um, in this Indiana game. Like I said, after this Indiana game, you know there are three games left on the schedule. Ohio State at home on Sunday, then they'll have Minnesota and Michigan State 
Um, you know, when, when you look down, you can give your score prediction for this Indiana game, and then maybe where do you, do you think – what do you think the record is going to be these last four games? So a couple predictions. Maybe Lauren doesn't love the predictions, but we'll do a couple more predictions. That's, yeah, that's throw not, in here. not a lot of time for preparation over there, so I think I'll go first. Okay. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it's going to come down to the last few possessions. I think Maryland's been playing very – they've been playing much better recently, and I think Indiana's going to win 67-63. to 63. I think it's going to – yes, yes, don't give me that face. It's going to be close. I think it's going to be close, but I'm going to say that Indiana wins by four. Uh, Maryland covers, and then the rest of the season, I would say that Maryland only wins one more game, and that's going to be the Minnesota game at home in the final home game of the year, and Maryland will end the season 14 and 17. I only make that face because I have the same score prediction, oh. but I, I'll keep it interesting. I'll flip it. Why not? So I think that maybe somehow, somewhere, Maryland finds it in them to win this game. Do I think they will? I don't really know, but probably not. But I'll flip it for the sake of keeping things interesting. I mean, they didn't perform. They had like down the stretch. They haven't been performing well, including at their loss um, against Northwestern. They really weren't able to. I don't think they they barely broke fifty points in that game. So, you know, I can I'll go with that. Down the stretch, because I'm saying Indiana wins. I guess I'm going to say that they're going to win two. I because I'm saying they win over Indiana. I'm going to say that they win two games. Now, I know I've said earlier that I think that they could have beaten Ohio State at home, but I don't think I can confidently say they're going to beat Indiana and Ohio State. So for now, I withdraw that, and I say that they'll maybe beat Indiana and Minnesota. So I think Indiana's going to win too. Um, I think it's going to be a close game. I think it's going to be competitive. But like I said earlier, Indiana is incredibly desperate. It's a tough road environment at Assembly Hall. I think Trace Jackson Davis has a big game and he's tough to con- contain, probably around 24 points. I think Indiana wins around 77 to 70. It's close throughout the game, but Indiana pulls away late and gets the win. Moving forward, I actually think Maryland's going to finish this season two and two, believe it or not. I think they're going to lose tonight to Indiana. But in those final three games, Minnesota, they're a better team. You know, same, same thing with Nebraska, Penn State. Maryland's just way talented, so I expect them to easily beat Minnesota. Not easily, but they're going to beat Minnesota. I think they upset either Ohio State or Michigan State. And I don't know which one, but I think that upset, which we really haven't seen like a dramatic upset from this team all year. Not that we, not that we would because they're obviously in 12th place in the Big Ten. But the Illinois game, I, would, I don't count really because Kobe wasn't playing. Ohio State's at home. You know, they're honoring the 2002 national championship team. That's going to be a great atmosphere Sunday. A lot of people are going to be in attendance. Maybe they pull off that upset against a Ohio State team that's way more talented, but maybe they pull off that upset. And then I look at the last game of the season against Michigan State. This Michigan State team, Maryland almost beat on their home floor. They could have, they should have beat them, you could argue, but they lost by two on a last-second shot. Um, could have been an epic opportunity for a court storming for Maryland. It would have been a big upset. But since that game, Michigan State has really fallen off. I mean, this Michigan State team is completely fraudulent to me. They're not even a contender in the Big Ten. It's not a Tom Izzo team. They don't rebound well. They don't defend well. And I don't think this Michigan State team is, is going to do anything in the Big Ten tournament or the NCAA tournament once they get in. So I think Maryland could pull off that upset, even though it's on the road that last game of the season. So – I think Maryland loses tonight. They finish season two and two. Still puts them below 500 on the year. They will not be qualifying for the NSA tournament. They will not be qualified for the even the NIT to- tournament. But heading into the Big Ten tournament, anything can happen. 
So those are our score predictions and our predictions moving forward. Everyone, thanks you, thank you for listening. We apologize for the technical difficulties earlier in the podcast, but have a great rest of your week, and we'll see you back here next Thursday.